The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome one and welcome all. It is Tuesday, November 7th. 2023, 8.03 p.m. Central Standard Time. We're off to a little bit of a late start here on the Blog and the Boys Roundtable, which you can watch live on the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel or the Blog and the Boys Twitch channel. You can always catch the rewatch on these platforms at your own convenience or listen on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network. If you watch or listen to anything that we do, read our articles on our site, blogandtheboys.com. You will see here and read uh, all of the stylings of the gentleman here tonight. My name is RJ Ochoa. I am still sick. This isn't my attempt at being sexy uh, with this particular tone of my voice. Uh, going in clockwise order, joining me here tonight, Chris Holling. You were first in the StreamYard chat uh, with a Trevor Lawrence and Micah Parsons jersey behind you. You are not sick, I don't think, from the sound of your voice. I'm not sick, no, but I hope you feel better, man. Okay, catering to me early uh, in favor of points. I think that's a smart strategy. Tony Catalina, you were not first, and you have not wished me well. Um, so that's got you kind of starting behind the eight ball. I didn't know you were sick. I mean, I'm just finding this out now with the people. Um, I don't think that that is true. If you listen to the postgame show, I was really sick. Uh, I was sick as a dog um, during the postgame show. I've gotten better, actually, um, which is an indication of how sick I really was. Uh, but um, So nevertheless, kind of an insensitive move on your part, Tony. Big, big jerk move. Uh, so whatever, uh, Brandon Clements, you are our fourth horseman here tonight. You don't appear to be sick. Uh, you didn't wish me well, you haven't done anything, but you haven't cost yourself any negative points at least. No, I mean, uh, sorry, I didn't catch the sick part until, uh, until just uh, now. So I, so I'm, I'm with Tony on that. I'll be straight with you. I, it's been a, it's been a long week for myself. So, but you know, we're, we're here, we're going to have some fun and, and, uh, let's just talk some boys. Uh, Rick Ursolini says, hi, RJ, Tony, Chris, Brandon. What is up guys? Uh, well done. The chat was kind of off and running before we got here. We were a little bit late. Um, there is a, a sentiment based on the title of the show. I don't know if any of you have actually looked at this, uh, but the title that we have gone with tonight, does a Cowboys moral victory matter? Uh, the Cowboys, of course, losing on Sunday, 28 to 23 to the Philadelphia Eagles. We are here to kind of decompress in terms of our emotions, how we feel about that. We've all obviously said a lot. Tony, you're on our Monday show, first and 10. Brandon, Chris, you guys are on Tuesday, uh, Tuesday morning, that is. Went out a little bit later today, actually, though, uh, because we had the interview with Demarcus Ware that went out early Tuesday morning. Uh, so you can listen to all these guys and their opinions on their normal shows and, of course, right here uh, all throughout the Blocking the Boys universe. But um, I think we're all hesitant to use the term moral victory because that sounds like something that losers say. Um, but... There was a lot to kind of feel good about in a weird way. So, Chris, let's kind of get the ball rolling. Do you feel better following this most recent Dallas Cowboys loss than you did either of the two losses prior to Philly? Uh, 
I feel much better about the loss in terms of the fact that we were able to see the Cowboys compete and uh, they were really able to, you know, you know, you know, stay in stride with the Eagles. And I think that they easily could have won that game. I think if they do a few things differently, if the ball kind of bounces in their favor, then um, they can definitely come away with the win. feel much better, too, because Dak Prescott played much better in this game than he did against the 49ers. And he showed that even when things aren't going well around him, he can still, uh, you know, um, stand up and uh, make plays against a good defense. Um However, with that said, I definitely feel better about it, but I don't think a moral victory necessarily means much. It doesn't mean much for the seating. It doesn't mean much for the division race. So, I mean, in all honesty, like I feel better as a fan, but for the Cowboys as a team, it, it's not really worth anything from a moral victory standpoint. I does think it. I, I do think that it makes them more hungry, though, to um uh, to, to um to um, bounce back and win heading forward. So. Uh, Tony, Kevin took five points away from Chris, uh, said minus five. We choked. We didn't quit like the Niners, but we choked. I don't think that the Cowboys choked. I think they just lost. I mean, sometimes, and I'm, I'm not trying to explain away the game or explain away the loss or justify it, but they lost to one of the best teams in the NFL that has only lost once in their home building over the last year and a half. I mean, it's sometimes you can't win those games. Yeah, I'm I'm not, you know, to answer the question and and that as well is, you know, I don't feel really better about the game than I did after, you know, before and after. I think I expected this. I thought this was the floor. Um I knew and I've said all along that the 49ers are a tough matchup, but I know and record shows that we play well against the Eagles and we're not afraid of this team, right? I mean, Dak is 7-1 and one in the last eight games, 8-3 and three all time against the Eagles. This is what he has historically done against this franchise. I you see the way that the, the 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 Eagles have played this year, and and you knew that okay, this is a good football team, but a but a beatable football team. So the the what part of it is so frustrating to me is you almost were able to change the narrative or the feeling around this team because if you know you get first and goal at the six yard line and they punch that in, we're having an entirely different conversation about this team. But the fact that it went in the way it did and the calamity of errors that ended up taking place, now we're sitting here having the same conversation about this Cowboys team and we've seen this story play over time and time again. So you know I I don't I don't want to take a moral victory from this game because it this is kind of what we had seen. I was hoping to see something different. Brandon, I do think that the um, the teasing of the end maybe clouded our judgment a little bit. I think it, it leads us to forget that you know, the Cowboys were trailing 28 to 17, right? They if, if they had won, I think it would have been them having stole this game. They, they weren't the, you know, you can argue they were the better team in some senses, but Philly really took control of this game in the second half. And so, um, I think all of that perspective is important. Um, I, I think we're all in alignment that, you know, there's nothing that you can discernibly gain. And, you know, in the flats is noted here that the Cowboys odds of winning the division have obviously sunk by way of this loss. And there's obviously a significant impact of losing this game. But again, the fact like I don't think any of us view Philly as this measuring stick, Brandon, but the Cowboys, it was a big moment and they showed up for the moment. It's just unfortunate that they lost. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it was a heck of a game. It was typical Cowboys-Phillies. It was just a slugfest. Uh, I mean, the crowd was into it in, in Philly, as they always are anyways. It, it was a, you know, a sold-out crowd. It'll be the same thing when they come to our dojo, you know, in a, you know, you know, in a few short weeks. It's going to be here before you know it. So it, it's, it's a, it's a, it, was a good, it was a good game. I know some people were getting on particular areas of the game or things that were, you know, maybe, you know, controversial, as they would say. But at the end of the day, like, 
you know, I, I saw a lot of re- people blaming referees, things like that. At the end of the day, the Cowboys still, you know, if you're a great team, you can come over the, overcome those things. I still think they're a good team right now. I just think at this point, Philly was just the better team, you know, this past, this past weekend. And, you know, even at the end, that last drive, like you mentioned, it almost gave us false hope. Like I'm sitting there watching it and it's like, you know, you see Dak throw the ball to midfield and we get the, the penalty and I'm like, all right, well, we're cooking here. We're in good shape, you know, and it, you know, it, it was one of those, like the best, the best, the best play you can have besides obviously a touchdown is a deep throw that's underthrown where the, you know, the penalty is drawn right there. So that was a, that was a really, you know, that was a fortunate, you know, call, you know, in our favor, but the thing that I'm sitting there looking at it, CD was so close at the end, you know, it was, you know, you know, he, I wish, you know, obviously you can't go back and draw it back up, but it would have been so cool if, if somebody like swung around like Brandon cooks where CD was looking to pitch it and like, just took it the other way and just like ran to the end zone. But obviously it's, it's kind of living in fantasy land, but you know, overall it was a game of inches. I mean, you know, people, you know, RJ, you're a baseball fan. You guys are all, you guys all know baseball pretty well. It's a, you know, they always say the game of inches. It literally was that two point conversion with Dak, with, with him stepping out, you know, when it was initially called, you know, the, the conversion was good and he steps out and then you have the schoonmaker touchdown. That wasn't, it's, you know, we, we, we've had these opportunities, you know, it's, it, it, it was tough and it's, it stinks because the way I looked at it, yeah, the score says 28 to 23, but it's like, we lost by like three inches. That's kind of how I felt by, you know, this past Sunday. I do think that um, the the final drive, I guess, reminded me of the 2015 opener. And it was just Romo to Lance Dunbar like six times in a row. And it just was like all of a sudden the Cowboys completely ripped that game away from the Giants. And that's what it would have been like had they won. Um, Tony, let's address the officiating thing because – I don't believe in, in blaming officiating. I think that is lame. Like when any team does that. Um, so I try not to do it when I feel like the Cowboys are slighted. Now I do feel like the Cowboys were slighted in some senses. We could talk about the Stefan Gilmore pass interference call. We could talk about the non-call and the Luke Schoonmaker play. But I tweeted about this and I got some pushback, including from you, um, about like, hey, well, it's okay. The officials, this and that, whatever. Like, I think the Cowboys beat themselves more than they were robbed by the officials is my point. It just, it. I think that when I responded and when I talk about the officials, it's not this game specifically. It's not a Dallas Cowboys specific thing. It's officiating across the league has been really frustrating, right? They inserted themselves in the game. Like the the hands to the face of Michael Gallup and then picking the flag up was just like, it didn't make any sense. The Stephon Gilmore was like a laughable you know, defensive pass interference. Like I actually chuckled when I saw that because it was like disbelief. It, it just, I'm not trying to blame them because it's not one play. It's not, you know, two penalties. It's a culmination of things, right? When you get down the first and goal at the six yard line, you should win that football game. 27 seconds left. You get four plays to punch it in and you go back 20 yards. So it's not all on the officials, but I, I just think it's, it, in order to not blame the officials, people don't want to talk about it like it's this boogeyman that they had an impact on the game. I would only rebut with what the Star Wars curmudgeon offers. I hope the Star Wars curmudgeon doesn't dislike the Star Wars franchise, but says uh, Star Wars curmudgeon says no one hates officials more than me. But when the refs literally carry us down the field, we have no timeouts in 46 seconds. I'm not complaining. Dallas screwed up the opportunity from the six again, Tony, like. That was a really official influenced possession that Dallas had that put them in that exact spot. But if, but again, if they don't call that, then we're upset that they don't call those because some of those are obvious plays, right? Like you can't, you can't, I guess my point is it's not really the calls that were made in some instances, but it's the ones that weren't or the ones that were picked up or the spots that they were where like, you just, you kind of question how and why we got to this 
resolution, right? Like, how did this end up happening? So it just the the impact of the game as a league, I think, through ten weeks and almost you know years at this point is just too influential for them to all be part time guys. Like I even tweeted out, like my literal seventh grade math teacher is an NFL umpire who works as a teacher Monday through Friday and then goes on Sundays and like blows a couple calls and then you know comes back to work. So it's there has to be a better way because there's too much importance on these games and there's too much like being missed by part-time officials. Okay. Let's go around real quick. Then um, what percent of the loss do you put on the officials? Tony, just give me a number. 5%. Uh, Chris. Seven. Okay. So a little bit more Brandon. I say zero. I'm gonna go zero. I mean, I think it's a non-zero quantity, but I think it's like one percent. I'm I'm much I'm I'm much closer with you, Brandon. Yeah, I get your point, Tony, but I don't think it's fair to say I liked the penalties they called at the very end, uh, but not the ones that they did or didn't call earlier in the game. Brandon, you raised your hand. Yeah, I mean, and, and I'll say this: you know, you guys can check out my my X, my Twitter. You know, I I was pretty ticked at the refs, but at the same time, when I'm ticked off with the refs, that's just me being you know being a fan of the, you know be, being a fan of the team. At the end of the day, it's the referees don't control the game. Like you have, you know, you, you got to overcome these things, you know, teams do it all the time. So it's, it's, it was a tough break. And and for example, on that Schoonmaker touchdown, I just want to go back to that really quick. If Schoonmaker runs that route a little bit deeper, we're not even talking about it at this point. So, I mean, it's, you know, he made a rookie mistake on that. He didn't, he didn't run his route deep enough. And, and it was a close call to begin with, but it could have, it couldn't have been a close call if he, you know, took, you know, a couple extra steps, you know, upfield more and then he catches the ball and it's clearly over the line. So, you know, it's just some of the operations. Like, I'm not going to get mad at Dak for, you know, stepping out. He was barely out of bounds there, you know, for that kind of stuff. So, like, it was just these, the, the game of inches. It really just – it really was this past weekend. It, you know, it, and I was ticked off as a, as a Cowboys fan because you want to kick the crap out of Philly. That's where, you know, if you, if you don't want to – if you don't say you want Philly to get beat every week when it's the Cowboys or anybody else, why are you a Cowboys fan? So, that's that's kind of my take on it. But – it was just the the whole schematics of certain plays stunk. I mean, even Dak Prescott, you could tell he signaled with that with Chuma when Chuma was they they ruled him ineligible. He made the he he confirmed with the official. So there was if there's some operational things there, but at the end of the day, you still got to overcome it. If you're if you're if if you're a good or a great team, you overcome those things. Um, something I would offer is uh and anyone who listens to the podcast network will hear me and Brandon Gouton talking about this on the NFC's mixtape. Dak stepped out fine, but he was also pushed out by by Brandon Graham. I mean, you know, Dak, Dak's not just like consciously like, oh, you know what I would rather do than score the two-point conversion. I'd rather just step out of bounds. Like he's evading a defender and, and doing what he can to get there. Uh, just so that the uh, the record is updated for everyone. The Star Wars curmudgeon notes that they don't hate Star Wars. They're just not very thrilled with a lot of what we've gotten as of late. Um, I know that you were very concerned, Tony, given your passion uh, for the Star Wars franchise. Uh, Chris, I want to come back uh, to a comment from Casey, who said, these are the kinds of games that make your team stronger. Winning obviously would have been preferred, but what are we supposed to do? Call it a season because we lost a game in Philadelphia in week nine. Do you agree, Chris Holling, that the Cowboys are a stronger team as a result of the way that they lost on Sunday to the Eagles? I don't necessarily think it's a game that makes them stronger. Like, I don't know. I think that think it would have been stronger for their confidence and their momentum had they won the game you know because like then you're sitting there you're sitting there with a serious opportunity to 
to um, take control of the division, especially considering that the um, Eagles have a brutal stretch of uh, games coming right after their bye week. They face like the Chiefs, the 49ers, the Bills, the Cowboys again. Just I don't think the Bills is a scary game for anyone right now, just to be clear. Okay, but they're not a team to just like underestimate, I think, you know. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I think that that would have been huge for playoff seating. It would have been huge for um, uh, division seating, and it would have just changed a lot. So I don't necessarily think it makes the team any stronger, but – I mean, like, there's lessons to be learned from the game, but I think that there's lessons to be learned even in victories. I would have rather came away with a close victory and learned some lessons that way than um, come in a heartbreaking defeat. It feels like the Cowboys are the best at taking games that it felt like there was no chance at winning, then clawing their way back in, and then just losing in the most heartbreaking way possible. It seems to happen all the time, but, you know, it is what it is. It showed that they have heart and that they weren't able to just give up. But still, I mean, I still think that they could have learned some lessons with a win as well. Tony, it, this is the first game the Cowboys have lost like this in a while because even dating back to last season when they had lost, it was either uh, just kind of getting punched in the mouth over and over again like in the playoffs against San Francisco or a big lead that they had blown late like against Jacksonville or Green Bay or even the occasional blowout losses that they've had over the last couple of years, the kind of flubs we talk about like Denver and whatever the case may be. Um, so this was the first kind of like, I, I had used the analogy after the Chargers win that, that they went 10 rounds and they won. They went 10 rounds and lost. They hadn't done that in a very long time. So I do think that there is a lesson to be learned through that particular process. Yeah, I, I even said it to Aiden on the first and 10 podcast a couple of weeks ago. I said, like, the, the Los Angeles Chargers game felt like the the real first game of the year, right? Like, right. every loss was a beatdown. Every win was a beatdown. So, you know, like you mentioned, you win the Chargers one, you lose the Eagles one. You you want, and Chris, I mean, Brandon said it, you know, it's a game of inches. It truly is. Like, I mean, every game is. There's so many impactful moments in a football game, and you can't just blame one of them, but, like, everything felt like it could have had a massive impact. You know, an inch here, inch there. But, yeah, I... <laughs> It's tough. It's tough to, to sit here because you felt like at times, like it was really interesting to watch this game where it looked like, oh man, the Eagles look like the better team. Then the Cowboys look like the better team. And then by quarter, it, th- it changed. And by possession, it looked different. And then you're sitting there, and I said it this before, but first and goal at the six yard line, I- I'm I'm hammering the fact that Coppers are about to win this game, right? Like I think everybody in the world is like, oh, this is setting up to be an excellent night. And, and then just a calamity of errors. So it, it really is uh, a pretty perplexing loss when you look at it. Uh, Brandon, I think that we are allowing our disdain and our perception of the Eagles to maybe cloud our judgment um, a little bit. Uh, Part of that is because the Cowboys have had so much recent success against them. Part of that is because Dak has had so much recent success against them specifically. But as Casey notes in a follow-up comment, excuse me, says, for context, I don't think the loss this year to San Francisco made us stronger. This isn't me just trying to play spin doctor, ha ha. We played competitive against the reigning NFC champs in their place. Again, if we strip away the division rivalry, rivalry, if we strip away how much we don't like this team, the negative things, the, the constant tearing down we're trying to apply to the Eagles as an organization, they are the reigning NFC champs. They have only lost one game in that building in the last year and a half. And the Cowboys you know, took them down to the final seconds of a game in that building I mean, any other team in the NFL, I don't want to say would be happy about the loss, but they would be sitting here probably feeling better than we do. Yeah, no, it's it's true. It's again, it's it, it comes down to you know our, our disdain for the Eagles, and and you know and you know I hate saying this. It's almost like vomiting out of my like I'm like swallowing vomit right now just about to say this. But you know the Philadelphia We're Eagles. Wrong camera, please don't do that. No, <laughs> yeah, I'll turn the other way. Yeah, eight eight and one, and there was I saw I saw something online that. They've had a the, the a share of or the best record in the league all year long. Like it's 
Like they're just that good of a football team. And, and like Tony said, we've been talking about this game of inches. I was just harkening back to that Raiders game when Gene Steratore used the index card. So we, we've been on the other side of it before. So I was just thinking about that. I, was, I think that was like 10 years ago. I think it's been a while. But it was six it years was, ago. Was it that? Feels like time. The way the Cowboys games are, sometimes I, I feel like I age like a year in each game, especially this Eagles game this past week. That was that was crazy. But it's yeah. I mean, here's here, here's here's the thing that I look forward to. Like, yes, it was a tough loss, but you just lost literally in a game of inches against one of the best teams in the league, a team that is a Super Bowl contender up there with the Niners. So we're gonna yeah, obviously we're gonna see them again. We might see them two more times depending on how this whole playoff thing. Uh, shakes out, you know, Field Yates from ESPN has this, uh, you know, in the NFC championship game, which I appreciate Field Yates, uh, you know, supporting the boys. So that was, uh, I saw that tweet earlier. I think that was today. So that was, that was cool. But here's the thing. The next three games, we should kick the crap out of the next, the next three teams here. It's if we, if we don't win three in a row here, that's a disservice. And I think, I feel like the Eagles game, it was a tough game, but what better remedy to this loss than, the next game with the Giants with a, you know, a former Syracuse uh, quarterback. Oh, coming geez, to enough, 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 enough. Okay. You know, yeah. but the next three games are against some teams that I feel like, I feel like the Cowboys should win. So we should, we should be, uh, we should be three games in the better, uh, the next, uh, the next stretch here. To your point, the Cowboys should not lose another game in November. Um, they host the Giants. They're currently 16 point favorites in that game. Obviously Daniel Jones towards ACL to Rod Taylor is on injured reserve. Um, so it is the Tommy DeVito show um, on Sunday afternoon. Plus, the Cowboys are riding an 11-game winning streak at home. Um, then they visit the Carolina Panthers, who have the worst record in the NFL. Shout out, Chris, to your uh, hometown neck of the woods. Uh, and then the Cowboys host the Commanders on Thanksgiving Day. And although the Commanders have given them a little bit of trouble in the past, I think we all like the Cowboys' odds in those games. I do want to get to one last thing as it relates to the Eagles' loss specifically. Um, so. You know, a point I had mentioned on the postgame show, which, again, Tony, you clearly didn't listen to because you didn't know that I was sick, um, is you can add up all the the inches that you guys have referenced. The schoonmaker play, Dak stepping out of bounds, not recovering any of the fumbles, and Michael Gallup's drop on the final possession of the first half uh, that forced the Cowboys to settle for a field goal in, instead of potentially going down and obviously scoring a touchdown. In my humble opinion, I said this on the postgame show, the Gallup drop is the biggest inflection point. The Gallup drop is, is the biggest kind of momentum swing, whatever you want to call it. I haven't checked uh, in terms of like the EPA per play that swung on that, that moment. Um, I, I would assume it's not a lot, but Adam says in the comment section, we aren't talking about the most important play of the game, though Gallup's drop in the first half. We can sit here and we can, if and Chris, we can say, oh, if Dak scores the two-point conversion, they have two more points. If Michael Gallup catches a ball that hits him right in his hands and the Cowboys go score a touchdown, they have four more points at their back. A field goal at the end wins it. And, you know, again, that's presuming everything plays out chalk the exact same way. And that might not have happened, but that just cannot happen. Like, we can sit here and we can harp on Luke Schoonmaker. Like, you got to run your route deeper. Jake Ferguson, you got to get your rub on to, you know, ultimately get Schoonmaker some more space. Terrence Steele, you got to be better. But, like, the ball hit him in the hands. I mean, he's got a second contract with the team. Like, that cannot happen, Chris. Yeah, you know, 100%. You know, I defended him all last year, you know, whenever he's getting a lot of flack from the fan base. I always thought, you know, like, once he gets a little bit more time, um, uh, once he gets more time working his way back from that injury, I think he'll be better. And honestly, I don't even think it's an injury thing anymore. I think it's a mental thing at this point. I think he's just in his head and he's not fully, fully in the, you know, he's not fully in his momentum and swing of things. But I think it's honestly time to start looking at your backup options to, to, to get a few more reps. I would like to see um, a little bit more of Tolbert. And I wasn't huge on Tolbert coming into the season. I wasn't drinking that Kool-Aid that some of us were. But he has looked good in his reps that he's gotten. And I think that he has good chemistry with Dak. 
back. And I think that he would be able to kind of, you know, bring some more juice to the offense. I think Avante Turpin should be used more as a wide receiver because we've seen good things from him when he's out there. And honestly, and I know that I'm going to get made fun of because I'm biased about this, but I do think that you could see Jalen Brooks kind of have a Noah Brown type role. He reminds me a lot of Noah Brown because of this. Noah Brown came in as a seventh round draft pick, same way as Jalen Brooks, and he made his name known as a run blocker and a special teams player. That's what Jalen Brooks is right now. Jalen Brooks is a possession guy. He's a 50-50, he's a 50-50 ball guy. I think that you could mix those three in and um, maybe get some more looks out there in the offensive scheme. And I think that we could see some more juice in this offense. So, you know, I'm hoping for Michael Gallup to come back and really um kind of make a name for himself again but it just doesn't seem that way right now i think maybe you know going in another direction for the next few games seeing how different you know schemes play out i think that that could be beneficial for the cowboys uh chris it also took uh noah brown five years six years actually, to make an offensive impact so mm -hmm. in five years time you know jalen brooks he's coming for that wide receiver <laughs> three spot uh tony Michael Gallup is kind of public enemy number one uh, for Cowboys fans, if it's not Terrence Steele, right? They're the two least popular dudes uh, on Twitter right now, if you're a Cowboys fan. Um, are you uh, in alignment? Are you of the same opinion that Jalen Tolbert deserves more opportunities? Because um, it's not just like, oh, we like people want a non-Michael Gallup option. Jalen Tolbert's playing well. Like, he is living up to the hype. He's justifying the people who drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah, if you look at the numbers, you could see the split is kind of tightening up, right? Like Tolbert is is cutting into Michael Gallup's playing time, and I think that's rightfully so. He gets his first touchdown. I think confidence in football is so important, right? Where I think Michael Gallup's issues isn't physical, and I don't think it's injury. I think it might just be between the ears a little bit, right? Like you, it's I take it to golf or something like that, where you get the yips or you kind of get in your head. The opposite effect is Tolbert, right? Get gets his first touchdown. Dak's getting a little bit more trust. He's getting a little bit more opportunity. I think this could work in a real positive manner. The Michael Gallup situation is really upsetting to me because. I knew last year was kind of, you know, throwaway because he's coming back. It's, you know, he even alluded to the fact that he wasn't 100% mentally and physically. He couldn't trust it. But you thought this year, okay, he, he can find a way to be productive. And it just really hasn't worked out like that. And, and as well as Tolbert is playing, I you kind of wonder, and I think there's a debate to say, is Cavante Turpin like the next guy up before Tolbert even? I mean, he's got more touchdowns. He's getting a little bit more trust from Dak. Dak's even looking for him in big moments in the game. Um I think that the Gallup situation is going to come to a head here soon, right? I I know Michael Gallup two weeks ago had like nine or, or 11 targets in a game, and, and slowly it's starting to change. I mean, there's only so many times where Dak can hit you right in the teeth and you drop the ball before you start looking somewhere else. So um, it's an unfortunate situation. I hope he would turn it around because he did end up making a couple of tough and contested catches. But I think that the taste in the mouth of people after that first drop kind of was like, ah, I'm over this. Brandon, I want to change the question a little bit for you. Um, so I mentioned uh, this idea on our postgame show as well um, and kind of talked about And when I wrote my stock report, I was like, Jalen Tolbert deserves to be wide receiver three. And a lot of the comments everywhere were like, why are we just assuming that the Cowboys have a wide receiver two? Uh, because Brandon Cooks has kind of underperformed and underwhelmed. Um, now, I tweeted some stats out about Brandon Cooks. If you look, he's played seven games for the Cowboys this season. Obviously, he missed one. You look at the first seven games of Eddie's season in his career, he is experiencing significant career lows in targets and receptions and yards, but in catch percentage. And that's a Brandon Cook stat, not necessarily a, a schematic stat or anything like that. He's had 29 targets. And while that is, you know, obviously not cool, Brandon, um, maybe Brandon Cooks is, is also partly to blame here. I mean, this is the CD Lamb show. We know that. And Jalen Tolbert is obviously, you know, catching all of our eye. 
But it's not just Michael Gallup who's disappointing. Brandon Cooks has not necessarily lived up to his end of the bargain. No, he hasn't. And the only receiver that I see on this team that has solidified their role is is, is obviously CeeDee Lamb. I mean, this 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 past week, eleven catches, 191 yards, and you know, on 16 targets, a pretty you know pretty productive day. And and uh, you know, according you know, I saw uh, Todd Archer's tweet the other day, and he's the CeeDee Lamb is the first receiver since uh, Miles Austin in 2009 to have back-to-back 150-yard uh, receiving games. So kudos to CeeDee Lamb on that. But besides that, it's it's a problem. I mean, Jake Ferguson's doing well, but he's a tight end. Like, we came into the season with all these high hopes, as I did. I, I was drinking the proverbial Kool-Aid, like, all right, we're locked and loaded. These top three are going to be pretty good. We have Brandon Cooks is going to be the, you know, he's going to be our solid two, and Michael Gallup's going to come back after his ACL, you know, a year removed, and he's going to be a great receiver three. And, and then Tolbert at four. And it, it's just, it's one of those situations where it's, it's been very disappointing. And honestly, you know, I, I even, I'll go crazy. I'll go crazy on this one. I, I think Tolbert right now is the receiver too. Not in the snap counts or anything like that, but I think just out of consistency, like when he gets opportunities, he's making those plays more times than not. And that touchdown he had, you know, he caught, he caught three passes for 49 yards and a touchdown. Like that was a, that was a good moment for him. And, and yeah, he, and yeah, some people were, you know, I saw Twitter going crazy, acts going crazy on, you know, Tolbert getting that very crucial pass that obviously didn't, uh, he didn't come down with. It was just, you know, it's just a tough play all around. But, uh, you know, that shows to me that Dak has confidence in Jalen Tolbert. So for me, it wouldn't be a surprise if he starts sliding up the scale a little bit. I mean, his snap, his snap counts have been going up for the most part. Like he's pretty consistent and, and Gallup's have gone down. Gallup's, I believe, under 50% right now as of last week. So I feel like Tolbert is on, on an upward trajectory. I mean, we got to see more from him, but it's, you know, we could be talking, you know, week 17, week 18, right before the playoffs and saying, Hey, Tolbert looks like he's our number two receiver. And I mean, here's the thing. The, the Cowboys are obviously worried about this receiver group because I know we'll get to it, but you know, they, they brought in a receiver today. So it's, it's one of those situations where uh, I, I mean, yeah, sure. The, the guy they're bringing in hasn't played in the league in a while, but Obviously, the Cowboys felt and uh, felt the you know the need to bring somebody in, and and so be it. And then that's the reason why the receiving group is just it's shaky right now outside of CD Lamb. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called "The Future of Work," where I answer all your questions on surprise, the future of work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Um, I looked this up while you were talking, Brandon, because you brought up CD. Um Chris, do you know how many receiving yards CD has in this three-game stretch since he, I don't want to say complained, but since he rightfully highlighted his lack of utilization? 
think it's like 420 something. It's close. You're, you're still low. It's 466. Oh, 466. Okay. Yes, 400. Yeah, it's 466 receiving yards. I'm about to say, um, I just wrote an article about it, so so that number should have been fresh in my head. But it, In the Super Bowl era, so from 1970 to now, he is just the fourth Cowboys wide receiver to have at least 466 receiving yards in a three-game uh, like a three-game stretch, but obviously consecutively. Um, the other three, the, all of these have happened, by the way, this millennium, um, which speaks to the passing boom in the NFL. Uh, T.O. did it uh, during that magical 2007 season. Miles Austin, who you mentioned, Brandon, um, in 2009. Obviously, everybody remembers his incredible start. Amari Cooper, very famously, uh, his initial season with the Cowboys in 2018. And then C.D. Lamb now. So, I mean, we're talking about, like, this is some insane level production um, that, that the Cowboys are getting out of C.D. Lamb right now. But that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be getting any from Brandon Cooks. Although some of that is, you know, the fact that C.D. is eating so much there is only one ball to go around. And, um, you know, that's just kind of the way the math works. Uh, but Brandon, you mentioned it, Chris, let's get into it. The Cowboys did sign Martavis Bryant on Tuesday. Um, he is the final member of their practice squad as it currently stands. Um, this is a true scratch off lotto ticket. He has not played in the NFL since 2018, since Amari Cooper, um, obviously uh, magical season with the Cowboys. Um, your thoughts on the Cowboys getting a, a bit of a, I don't want to say a free look, but a low, low, low level look. Yeah, um, I think it's a low risk, high reward situation for sure. And I don't necessarily have any issue with the Martavis uh, signing, you know, in, in uh, the terms of just Martavis. However, I don't know. It just kind of, it just speaks volumes to what the fan base, I feel like, has really been bothered about when it comes to the Cowboys. And that's their inability to be willing to spend a lot to get better like um through trading at the trade deadline and by adding some some bigger names because i think that they could have really improved that wide receiver group in terms of um getting like a hunter renfro or, or even getting like a Cortland sutton or someone in that wide receiver room you know like just be a little bit more aggressive with it you know you saw the 49ers go out and get chase young you saw the eagles go out and get kevin byard and like even the lions went out and got donovan people's jones for not very much and he's a very solid wide receiver and and i'm like i don't know like i don't hate the move of getting Martavis Bryant. It just kind of fuels my, my, I guess, like annoyance with the Cowboys not really being aggressive in pursuing wide receiver help. Because if we're really sitting here thinking that that um, uh, Jalen Tolbert could be wide receiver two or three, then I think that, that that that's a thing that we really should have realized prior to that trade, the, prior to the trade deadline and, and been more aggressive in getting more win now help because martavis bryant really is i mean like it really is a lottery ticket like we don't know if it's going to go well or not i mean i know he's six four he was really fast he was a big playmaker he went to clemson as well so i have every reason to cheer for him but at the same time i just i don't necessarily know that it's going to really pay off the way that cowboys fans are hoping for it to and i think that they should have been more aggressive at adding a wide receiver who's who's been who's been productive in the nfl as of late Tony, your thoughts on Martavis Bryant? My thing is, like, I have absolutely no issues with this whatsoever. And I think we'd all agree that this is one of those moves that 
it, it's only upside. If it doesn't work out, he he's off the practice squad. It doesn't work out. No big deal. Nobody even sweats or bats an eyelash about this, right? But he offers in a unique opportunity in a situation that the Cowboys thrive in, right? We have seen them do this with Kevontae Turpin. We've seen them do this with Brandon Aubrey. They find different, unique ways to attack talent. And I know what Chris is saying. Like, we would love for everybody to make a move. I was right there with them at the trade deadline, you know, hoping they would do something, knowing that they won't, right? And you kind of hear with the Cowboys and Jerry Jones, what they want you to hear, right? They'll tell you they tried. They'll tell you they put in effort. Whether that's true or not, you don't know. You know that Jerry Jones likes to win a trade. He likes to win a deal. But other GMs are smart as well, right? They're not just going to give people away. They're not going to let you win the negotiation every single time. So when you look at the Cowboys and understand, this is about, you know, this is where Jerry kind of flexes muscle, right? Because if he didn't sign Martavis Bryant, he was on a he was on a plane to go to Tennessee, right? Then he's on a plane to go somewhere else. He's on a plane. So, like, there is intrigue there for a guy who's 31 years old, has fresh legs, right? I know it was a million years ago, but this is the same guy who, as a rookie, scored five touchdowns in three games, which is an NFL record. Then I'm scoring six touchdowns in four games. Like in his he only played 10 games in his rookie year, and he was a highly productive member. And I know it was 2018, but realistically, you're looking at a guy who just has to be better than, you know, your boy Jalen Brooks. He just has to be better than maybe Kevontae Turpin. Like, he just has to find a way to crack in this, and I think people feel good about it. He's a speed guy, and and when you talk about the, you know, he's a 4-4 guy, but he's also 6-4. We don't have any receiver with that type of body frame. So it's just Jerry Jones comes in there, and this is almost like not the same situation, but you remember Lil Collins' situation, very unique, comes in, undrafted <laughs> guy. And he comes in, and Jerry's like, this is where I'm going to be Mr. Jones, and I'm not going to let this guy leave the room. We're going to bring him in. We're going to sell him a dream. And whether it works out or not is kind of – everybody's used it. A million people have said it's the scratch ticket type of situation. You spend two bucks, you hope you hit 100, right? But you're not upset if you lose the $2. You just keep it moving. Brandon. Yeah, I mean, Martinez Bryant's one of those guys – you know, as Chris alluded to, I mean, I watched him at Clemson. He was he was a pretty good, he was a pretty dynamic player. He played with guys, I believe, like Sammy Watkins was on the team there. So, like, they were that was a loaded uh, Clemson crew back when he was there. And and to, to you know, to Tony's point, he's you know he's 31, going on 32. He hasn't played in the league since 2018. So you know, the he's got plenty of uh, tread left on the tires. I feel like, and as you guys have all seen, I'm sure the the workouts. He clocked uh, 22 miles per hour for what that's worth. So clearly. That four four speed is still is still a thing. He's still a big dude. He's six foot four. You know, I do know a lot of Steelers fans that you know. I, at one point, I remember because I you know I, I talk to Steelers fans all the time. And at one point, he was their he was their number two receiver. And then you know, I remember watching a Monday Night Football game where he just had a monster game. And I remember John Gruden saying, "Well, I think they found their number two. And then unfortunately, you know, things things in life happen. And you know, this is where we're at. It's kind of to me, it was shades of uh, Flash Gordon." So we'll see, we'll see what happens with, with, you know, with him. I, I think, you know, I, I'm glad he's getting this opportunity and, you know, and I, I got, I did get some texts about it today and people were like, Oh, well, you guys are doing what you guys always do. You know, you did it with Alden Smith and, and, you know, now it's Martavius Bryant, but here's the thing. I know other, I, I looked around, there's other teams that were interested in him, but the Cowboys said, no, we're going to talk to him first. And, and to you guys point, Jerry Jones didn't let him leave the building. And the workout obviously went well enough for the Cowboys to say, hey, let's add this dude. Let's put him to the practice squad and see what he's got. And to me, if, if he's even a portion of what he was, you know, before his days in the NFL were done that first time around back in 18, I, st- I would say even a portion of that is, is better than, than uh, Chris's boy, Jalen Brooks. I feel like he could, 
you know, come in as a fifth or sixth receiver, like, okay, sure. It's, and, and it's a Tony's point. You know, you spend a buck or two on a ticket and, you know, if you win a hundred bucks, 200 bucks, whatever the case may be, what, you know, what, you know, if you lose, you lose. So to me, it's, to me, it's, it's a big game. This, this guy was a good player. So I'm rooting for him. I hope, you know, I hope we, you know, hope we find something here, but again, you know, this is typical Jerry Jones too bad. You know, it wasn't a week ago where we could have gotten somebody at the trade deadline, but nobody's really surprised by it. And so at the end of the day, I think Jerry and the, in the scouting department, you know, I think they, they saw something here with the reinstatement of Martavis Bryant. So I think this is, this, this could pay off dividends later on. I mean, or, you know, or it could be, you know, Devin Smith all over again, where, you know, flash for a quick second and then he was gone. So, I mean, you know, the jury's going to be out on that. So, you know, my fingers are crossed that it all works out for, for him and team. I think that everything you all said is very fair um, in that it's a, it's a no cost move for the Cowboys. I think Alden Smith is a good example. Uh, Tony, you had mentioned even Brandon Aubrey is kind of an example that was just it's a different kind of path, but just uh, Hey, let's, let's try to catch lightning in a bottle. And they clearly did. Um, that was the lone benefit by the way of Michael Gallup's drop is that it offered Aubrey a chance to set the NFL record. Um, so when he's a Hall of Famer, it will be cool to say that he did that in Philadelphia, at least, um, even though the Cowboys lost that game. Um, I mean, it's tough. It's tough to, you know, have a, a strong take, I think. I mean, he's filling up the final spot on the practice squad. So we'll see. Like, the odds of him even, you know, making it on, onto the, the 53-man roster or getting some kind of elevation, I think, are, are really, really, really low. Uh, Brandon, you have a point on that. Yeah, I was just thinking about it. I think I saw Des tweeting out. Uh, he, he was pretty pumped up about it. He said, give this kid three weeks and we'll see him on the roster. I love Des's enthusiasm, obviously. He's, he's you know, Des is always the, the, the fiery guy. So if, if that plays out, that's that's a heck of a signing, you know, by the boys. But let's, uh, like you said, RJ, just kind of let's wait and see what happens and not to get too crazy one way or the other at this point. I do kind of agree with Casey, kind of. And this was your point, Chris. It says the Brian edition reeks of we should have done something at the trade deadline by the front office. I do think that the front office continues to, whether they admit it or not, regret the Amari Cooper trade. Um, I mean, that just has set their overall receiver group back, even if C.D. Lamb has become this, like, supernova of a player. I mean, having Amari in the fold would just be incredible. Like, we look at the Eagles with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, and the Cowboys had that. I mean, so um, that's frustrating. Um, at the very least, Jimbo, by the way, has said that they guarantee that I don't wear this shirt outside of the house. Um, people mistake this shirt all the time. I think, Tony, you have yourself. This is actually an Indianapolis Colts shirt. Um, I got this uh, when the Cowboys visited Indianapolis in 2018. And um, they actually got shut out in that game, 23 to nothing. It's an Adam Vinatieri shirt, uh, not a Dak Prescott one. So uh, sorry to disappoint. Um, I did want to get to – did you have a point, Brandon? Yeah, I was just going to say, if you're going to get anything in Indianapolis, wouldn't you get like a Pat McAfee shirt or something for the brand? I mean, look, Pat McAfee's awesome, but Adam Vinatieri is going to be in the Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? Like, And yeah, Adam Vinatieri, by the way, is a friend of Bob McAvoy's. He's in the Hall of Fame. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm just saying, like Adam Vinatieri is maybe point. the greatest place kicker in NFL history. And Adam Vinatieri has been here on Blog and the Voice. Uh, Pat McAfee hasn't. He has an open invitation, obviously. but uh, That'd be yeah, cool. Adam, Adam Vinatieri has. I did want to get to another point. Uh, I'm looking for the comment that set it up. Um, let's see here. Um, let's see. Tony, AJ said that you uh, read Wikipedia. Is that true? No, I actually had to write an article about it in my nine to five. So <laughs> that's why I knew. Yeah. Um, okay. Here we go. It was Jimbo Slice who said this, uh, this, they, they being the Cowboys, they need help at running back more than wide receiver. I tweeted this out today as well, Chris. Um, and 
just hit send and then let everybody kind of make of it what they wanted to in terms of their own opinions. Uh, it's kind of difficult to put in a pretty form here uh, on StreamYard, but uh, Tony Pollard last season through seven games, 81 carries, 506 yards, five touchdowns. Tony Pollard this season through seven games has 120 carries for 474 yards and two touchdowns. Cowboys are getting way less with way more for way more uh, in terms of Tony Pollard this season. Uh, there's a lot of people, Chris, who want to see Rico Dattle involved more. I don't think Tony Pollard, when I wrote my stock report, actually, a lot of people were like, how do you not have Pollard as a stock down? I didn't feel like Pollard played poorly, but like he's just kind of invisible these days. Yeah. And that is obviously a problem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I would really like to see the stat where it where it points out like his like 20 plus yard runs or his or his 30 plus yard plays in those games as well. But um, I think that's a really intriguing stat to um, break down. And and yeah, no, I've been thinking the same thing. I would like to see a little bit more of a Rico Dowdle um, focused game plan as well. I just think he runs very angrily. Like he runs hungry. He runs like he wants to prove something. He runs like he's still really, really hungry. And I feel like he brings kind of an energy to the backfield that I think we're missing right now. I'm not necessarily you know, saying that as a fault to Tony Pollard. I'm just saying that I believe that Rico would be a really good compliment to him. By the way, thanks to Kevin for noting. I meant eight. Um, I did tweet at eight and get it with eight, but I just put seven here. Tony, uh, your thoughts on uh, your fellow namesake, um, Mr. Pollard? Yeah, it's tough, man. Like, you be careful what you wish for, right? Because we love Tony Pollard in that secondary role, and he came in with a fresh legs and only touched the ball about 10 to 14 times, and he made the most of them. And that's kind of how I feel about Rico Dow, right? It's Every time Rico Dow, and I said this to Aiden on the, on the first and 10 podcast, I'm like, Rico Dow runs the football like – he like he's grateful for it you know what i mean he, he wants to run through somebody's face he falls forward he wants to hurt somebody he's churning his legs that's the same like youthful like chipperness that tony pollard ran with just last year now I, obviously there's a little bit of attrition there because he's injured and we see how these guys come back with these tough injuries and sometimes it takes a little bit to get the legs back we talk about the explosiveness so maybe that's a factor plus the workload is a factor plus it just it just it hasn't really clicked with the running game, right? It, it Nothing has really seemed to work all this year. It's, obviously, Tony Pollard's a part of that. But um, it's it's one of those situations where everyone was quick to run Ezekiel Elliott out, and it was definitely a right decision. But it's just like, here's what we get. Now we got a $10 million running back that everybody else is is down on again. So it's it's almost kind of like the running back position, you, you, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. So it, it, you find yourself in a tough situation right now. Um, I'm actually right now going to look up what Zeke's production was through eight games last year because it would it would actually be hilarious if he was outperforming this, but I really don't think he is. Uh, but Brandon, was, you raised but... <laughs> your you you raised your hand several times, Brandon. Your thoughts on Tony Pollard uh, so far this season? Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and like Chris was making the point, you know, Rico, and, and same with Tony. I mean, I was saying it on the writers' block this week that you know I want to see more more Rico. I've been saying it for a while. I know I remember a few weeks back, Danny gave me a hard, Danny Phantom gave me a hard time about the Rico thing. And I'll be honest with you, when the when the preseason happened, I was more of a Malik guy than a Rico guy. And I'll give Tony credit. He was a Rico guy from the beginning. So I got to give kudos to Tony on that one. But when, when Rico, when Rico's in the game, that was the perfect analogy, Tony. Like he runs it like he's grateful that he's getting the ball. Like I couldn't have said it any better. He just, he runs so hard. I just love his tenacity. He is to me. He's the power. He, he's the power back on the team. I know that everybody wants to see the majestic beast, Hunter Lepke, You know, maybe get some more of those touches. But I've been, I've been, I've been banging the drum inside the twenty. Let's get it to, let's get it to uh, Rico. Rico, Rico's got good size. I mean, he's he's two hundred, you know, two hundred sixteen, two hundred twenty pounds. You know, he's 
he's got a good he's got good size, but he knows how to throw his weight around. He's a powerful back. He's he's always going forward. And and you know I you know I'm a, I'm I'm a huge fan of him right now. Like he's just playing some good ball. And you know nothing against Tony Pollard. Like we all have the respect and love for Tony Pollard. He's he's a he's a hell of a player. He's he's a very talented uh, ball carrier. Anytime he gets the ball in his hands, anytime he's you know there anything can happen. But for me, and I said this on the writers' block. You know, Chris and I were talking about it last night with the guys. And you know, for me, Tony Pollard in the in the NFL. This is my hot take. I think he's a one B in a, in a running back by committee. I don't think he's a true one A running back. I just in the NFL. I think. You know, he's a product of where he was at Memphis, where he was a receiver, he was a running back. He, to me, he's the perfect complement to somebody who's more of a downhill, even like a Deontay Foreman that's playing for the, you know, for the Bears right now. Like a guy like that is somebody you want to carry the mail inside the tackles. So for me, Tony Pollard, I would like to see him. I know we were, we were talking about the receiver issue where, you know, who's our number two guy. I'm not saying we're putting Tony Pollard as our number two receiver by any means. But maybe we just get him out in some more routes. You know, let him, let, you know, let him, let him get out in the receiving routes a little bit more than he already has, and let him do some work in space. Because as you guys saw, we saw glimpses of it in this Eagles game this past week. He, you know, when he gets the ball in space, he he does some great things. But to me, I think Rico Dotto is the guy that needs he needs he needs uh you know he he needs a little bit more of that workload. He's always running hard. I, you know, and and you know for the rest of this season, I think Rico should be getting a, a better a better snap count, get more shares of the, of the, of the run game compared to Tony Pollard, but it could be something that the Cowboys could attack in the free agencies, you know, at the end of this year, or they could, they could attack it in the draft. I mean, there's, there's a multitude of ways to do this. You know, I saw, I can't remember who I, I can't give a credit to off the top of my head, but Deontay Foreman was a guy that, you know, maybe somebody, you know, there's somebody out there that uh, said, you know, that'd be a guy, you know, he's got Texas ties. He's a, he's a longhorn where maybe he, you know, maybe he, you know, they, they run it back with him and see, you know, bring him back to Texas and, and let him play for the Cowboys. But to me, for right now, let's let, let's let Rico run a little bit more and, and save Tony a little bit for, you know, for the postseason. Tony, you raised your hand. Yeah, I know. So everything Brandon said, it, it makes sense. But if you, if you believe what the coaches say and you actually take the word for face value, I think Mike McCarthy even said today, and I'm paraphrasing to the fact of, like, we like our split at running back. Like, I, I think somebody yeah. had mentioned, you know, should we get Rico the ball more? And he kind of, he shot back at it, which I don't think is really encouraging because I think we're all in lockstep that a few more touches for Rico down. We don't need a complete flip, just a little bit more. But I don't know. I don't know if Mike McCarthy feels the same way. The one thing about um, Rico that I think is kind of interesting, um, uh, we're talking about how he runs, like he's grateful and he's hungry. To me, his his running style kind of reminds me of uh, Chiefs running back Isaiah Pacheco. I I, I kind of see similarities in how angrily they run the football, and it's like they are trying to prove something. And I think it's kind of cool to point out too that you know Isaiah Pacheco was a seventh round pick, and Rico went undrafted. So I think when you have a chip on your shoulder like that, you're really running and trying to you know like prove yourself and prove everyone wrong who passed over you. I want to throw one other, other name out there. The, uh, the, the late Cowboys running back, Marion Barber, he, he runs angry, like angrily, but like, like Marion Barber did for the Cowboys. I, you know, you know, I mean, uh, Marion Barber was a beast when he, when he played for the boys, but I see sometimes some glimpses of that. And I watch him, you know, maybe it's the hair, maybe it's, you know, it's a combination of things, but he, every time, every time Rico gets the ball and like he gets a little bit of steam, I feel bad for the defender that's trying to get him down because he's a hard, he's a hard guy to get down. He's, he just, he just has that angry run style and it's, you know, and, and to Tony's point, you know, you're right with, with McCarthy. It doesn't, he kind of brushed it off, you know, so it, it's, you know, what we say is what we want, but in reality, coach McCarthy is going to do what he wants to do. You know, even we're not saying give him 50, 50 with Tony Pollard. That's not, I don't think any of, any of us are saying that, 
But, you know, if we can get him, you know, a few extra touches a game, I think it not only helps the team, but it helps Tony Pollard as a whole to save him for later on in the year. So um, while you were all singing the praises of Rico Dowdle, I looked this up. Um, and Tony, you um, thought there was no way that Zeke last year through his first eight games of the season outperformed Tony Pollard. I think we all agree that most people thought that Zeke was washed all of last year. Um, Zeke Elliott through his first eight games of the season last year outperforming or outperformed Tony Pollard's first eight games of the season this year. Only four more carries, uh, 11 more yards and four more touchdowns. He was obviously a, a goal line weapon and, you know, the Cowboys weren't having the red zone issues a year ago that they were now. This is a little bit jarring to me. I got to be honest, Tony. Um, I, I'm not like. I don't want to, I'm not like screaming and running around panicked, but like I, I triple checked this because I was very surprised. Yeah. I mean, I would take the top line in a heartbeat right now. Right. I mean, six touchdowns, you'd be able to punch it in. I know it's only one yard and that's probably unpopular. I'm probably going to get the Kevin is going to give me another minus five. But, um, you know, when you look at it, those numbers are just flat out better. You're lying to yourself if they're not. I mean, okay, four more carries, only 11 more yards. That doesn't really help the average too much, but more productive, more, you know, red zone woes weren't really a problem. And I hate to be the, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I mean, the, the proof is in the pudding. Through eight games, he wasn't better than the guy everybody wanted out of here last year. So that says something. Uh, Chris, I, there would, I saw a take from an Eagles fan that was just, you know, enjoying the win that was like the Cowboys win this game if Zeke Elliott's on their team. They're, I don't think any of us believe that. No. This this to me just – and I don't mean to like – I don't mean to throw strays in Zeke's direction, but like this just really is an indictment of Tony Pollard this season. Like because Zeke was not a, a, an efficient running back last year. He was scoring a lot, but he was not, mm -hmm. you know, a reliable runner in terms of picking up yardage and moving the chains in that sense. Um it's just a, a depressing sort of reality. The run game is broken for the Cowboys right now. Oh, I 100% agree. Um, I think it's more of an indictment on Tony Pollard. I mean, like, we weren't sitting there blown away by Zeke Elliott's performance. He really did seem to just kind of get those touchdowns from one or two yards out every single time. And my thing, too, is I know that we all – or I know that a lot of Cowboys fans wanted Zeke gone. I don't necessarily think it was because of the production. I think it was just the contract value and what he was getting paid. And I think that that's what Cowboys fans kind of wanted to move on from because if they didn't do it, then um, they'd be stuck with that contract. They had that potential out and they took it. And I think it's important to note too, that they have a potential out similar in the Michael Gallup contract as well. We were just talking about him. So I think that the Cowboys could make that hard decision, or I guess it's not, it's not looking as hard anymore, but you know, what would have been a hard decision and kind of move on from Michael Gallup as well. So, yeah, I mean, I would definitely take Ezekiel Elliott's production through those first eight games as well, but I don't necessarily think it's because, you know, Ezekiel Elliott played amazing. That's still not the Ezekiel Elliott that Cowboys fans were accustomed to. It's not the Ezekiel Elliott that Jerry Jones gave that massive contract to, but we're just seeing a Tony Pollard right now. I don't know if it's because he's still recovering from his injury. I don't know if it's because of the run blocking and like the scheming's not really going you know like too well in their favor i don't know if it's because he can't handle the running back one load i kind of i kind of have hesitations when it comes to that whole narrative that he can't handle that load because when ezekiel elliott wasn't playing in a few games um last season tony pollard really did shine and he showed that he you know like if, if he's given a, a good amount of carries he can really make explosive plays i just think we're seeing a little bit less burst from tony pollard this season and he's not really hitting the hole as you know quite as fast quite as hard like i've seen some runs you know like this year where i think he would have made it to that second level much quicker than uh this you know that um than uh this year so i think that 
I feel like we're just kind of missing a little bit of Tony Pollard's burst from the previous season. And I think that that could be a physical thing. It could be a mental thing. It could be a lot of different things, but I think that's his biggest issue. And I'm curious to see what that's going to mean for the running back room heading forward. I wonder if, you know, maybe his value has kind of, you know, gone down so that, you know, like maybe the Cowboys can get him kind of cheaper again, or maybe they just move on, you know, entirely. But then if you move on, then I mean, like you're looking at a free agency or a draft where you got to, you know, start all over and find another running back. And like, I know we don't want to pay running backs, but I think with our offense and um, what we can do with our skill players, I think having an efficient run game is very important in the NFL, whether you like paying them or not. Um, Brandon, I, these are only rushing numbers to be fair. And Tony Pollard obviously contributed a lot last year in the passing game, but that hasn't really been the case this year. And some of that is again, the red zone woes. Uh, it was Rico Dowdle who scored the first screen pass touchdown for the Cowboys in Arizona for the first time in four years. Um, Pollard doesn't even have a receiving touchdown this season. Um, I mean, again, some of it is on Pollard. Some of it's on the scheme. Some of it's on the offensive line, the rotating cast up there. You can put some on Dak Prescott if you really want to. Uh, but just just a, a bummer is maybe the best way to put it. Yeah, no, it's definitely a bummer, especially when you're paying him as high as you are. And he's one of the highest paid running backs on an average value this year on that franchise tag. So, and to Chris's point, I was sitting there when he when he made the comment about Zeke, not really maybe the production side, but more so the contract. Like that's that's exact. I'm in lockstep with that. I think I think Zeke, you know, if his contract wasn't as big as it obviously you know it was. I felt like, okay, that, you know, they maybe would have kept him around if, if the contract, in the time side, obviously, we can't go back and do anything about it. But if the contract was a little bit cheaper, I think, or a lot of it cheaper, then, you know, maybe maybe he's still around this year. He, you know, he could, you know, maybe the roles are reversed and we're not even talking about it because Pollard, you know, Pollard, you know, is, is very effective in what he does. And, 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 and obviously Zeke's been pretty effective doing what he does. I mean, Zeke at this point in his career, he's the guy that's going to get you three, four yards of carry, which – you know, that does win you football games. And, you know, and, and, and he had six touchdowns, you know, through eight games last year. So, obviously, to Tony's point, he was a goal line uh, demon. And we had red zone issues this year. So, I know we were really good in the red zone last year. Zeke was probably part of that. I think he obviously was. He scored six touchdowns through eight games. So, it, you know, it's, you know, I, I do think, to Chris's point, I do think they're going to, I think they're going to start shopping a little bit. If they can get Tony back, Tony Power back on a cheap contract, I think they, they, they kick the tires on it and maybe bring him back. But I could see the Cowboys. I don't. I don't think they go round one. Just the way the, the running back, you know, the running back market is. I don't. I don't see that. But I could see a day two draft pick, you know, for the Cowboys in the run game next year. There are some good quality backs coming out this year. So you know, I could see the Cowboys, depending on you know where they go and what direction they go, they could they could use a day two pick. I think on a, on a running back to to kind of revamp the room a little. I'm fine on that. Day three is where I'm spending my my pick on the running back position. I'm not touching that with day two, but uh, that's just me. Um, Adam, by the way, says you can't get Tony Pollard back on a cheap contract after giving him a tag. I, I think it I, the logic of what you're saying makes sense, Brandon, but I agree. I think he's probably if, – if he gets a cheap contract, it's not in Dallas. I think it's somewhere else. I think, yeah, that's he's, just... he's, I think he's not. Uh, to be fair, I think the Cowboys aren't going to give him what, he, what he's going to want. I don't think so. I do think his days um, in Dallas is numbered. The time has come to crown a winner. Um, I'm going to ask each of you to predict who you think won it. Brandon, who do you think won the roundtable? Uh, let's go with Mr. Catalina. Okay. Tony, who do you think won? I'm going to go with Brandon. <laughs> uh, Chris, who do, uh, break the tie, I guess, Chris. Who do you think won? I'll go with me. If if, if um, everyone else is going to get a vote, I might as well get a vote as well. You know? I respect at least like <laughs> playing the game, making sure that there's no yeah. extra points involved for that. 
Uh, the, it was a lower scoring night um, than we've had in the past. Some of that is, you know, we had an off week last week because of Halloween. Hope you all enjoyed your trick-or-treating. Cowboys are coming off of a loss. We all have our tails tucked between our legs a little bit. But with 77 points, he is hosting the wine mixer. Mr. Tony Catalina gets the round table dub. Tony, how are you feeling? Congratulations. Uh, the trophy's in the mail. I love the round table, man. I love coming on here and winning and being amongst uh, some friends. So I love it. That's all you have to say. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, I'm getting so accustomed to winning. I don't have these speeches anymore. Okay, oh, you're really hurting and hindering your future chances. You said that last you know, time. You tried to give it away from me the last time we did one. <laughs> I really am regretting this right now, Tony. Um, you know, Rick says bravo. Um, my guy. Chris, Ke Kevin says that you play to win and asked if you can teach that to Mike McCarthy. <laughs> Hey, listen, I mean, like, I will say that Mike McCarthy's typically the cautious guy, but he did kind of, you know, like, show some aggression in that Eagles game. He went for fourth down, you know, like a good amount of time. So I'll give him his props there. But, yeah, no, I don't come on here to lose. But, you know, in all honesty, congrats to Tony. He did kill it. And um, and um, he um, did great as always. So, you know, props in. I do want to bring up one quick thing, even though we've already handed out our winner for tonight. And I don't want to spoil the NFC East mixtape, which drops on Wednesday um, across the, the network. Uh, but I was talking about the Michael Gallup drop with Brandon Gowden. And I said that forced the Cowboys to settle for the field because that made it fourth and three from the Philly, I believe, 33-yard line. And Brandon, not you, Brandon Clements, but Brandon Gowden was giving Mike McCarthy heat for not going for that. Um, does anybody have an issue with Mike McCarthy kicking the field goal with the game tied at 14 on what was you know the final possession of the first half, giving Philly a chance to go score with about a minute left. I I didn't either. Brandon Clements is shaking his head. No, yeah. I thought that was the correct decision, Tony. Yeah, I I think ultimately it's the right decision. I think in the moment after seeing that drop, you're like, ah, oh, go be aggressive. But then it's more so just mad that Gallup just didn't catch the ball. So yeah, you take the points there and 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 keep it moving, Chris. I agree. I think you just take the points there. And I'm a pretty aggressive guy. Like I would love to, you know, go for fourth down every single time. But I think that you got to take your three and, you know, try and, you know, have that lead before half, which they did do. So, Brandon. Yeah, really quick. I mean, you know, um, Brandon Aubrey has been obviously perfect this year. Another so, Brandon. Wow. Yeah, no, another fellow, fellow Brandon. He, he's been great this year, 19 and 19. So if the, if the kicking game was a little shaky as of late, then maybe they go for it on fourth and fourth and three. But you know, at this point, knock on wood, I, I don't, I don't want to jinx anything, but you know, he's been automatic Aubrey all, all season. So let's, let's keep that train going. Tony. He did. He did get me a little nervous, right? He did the the little doink and then he kicked one yeah. out of bounds on the kickoff. And I, I was like, Oh no, like I, I had a little flashbacks, but it, once yeah. he hit the 51 yarder, I was like, all right, he's good. He's fine. Tony, I was thinking the same thing when I was watching the game. I was like, <laughs> Oh, he's like, he's kicking it the same way. It was like going wide left each, you know, the, yeah. the field goal went really left, and then the you know the kickoff went really left because it was you know the out of bounds. So I was I was thinking the same thing, and then when he made the kick, I was like, okay, he figured it out. We're good. He's, he's still Aubrey. <laughs> um, I'm glad that we all agree it was the right decision to kick. Adam says that we're seeing growth from Mike McCarthy. So back to the idea of a moral victory. If you do want to take anything away, the Cowboys are getting elite play from their quarterback and have a offensive play caller who is leaning into that. So. If those things continue, they will be fine. Um, and that's really the most important takeaway, whether they won or lost, even if it was against a division rival that lowers their chances of winning it. Uh, finally, Lamar, Tony, said that your wall is fire. I made the same mistake. I thought that, that was a painted wall behind you. It's not yeah. Lamar. It's a, a photo. Is. Tony is lying to you. It's anything that Lamar wants it to be. That's what it is. <laughs> wow. Um, 
Used car Tony, salesman, nice. I like it. Tony, as we leave, I would like you to tell us something that you promised to watch that isn't a sport between now and next week's roundtable. You are very notoriously known for not having seen any movie or show ever, but something you promised to watch between now and next Tuesday night. Can you three come to a consensus with what I should watch and then watch that? <laughs> That's um, not going to happen. I like that idea. Um, <laughs> uh, I think you should watch the little Sebastian episode of Parks and Rec, the first one. Just that specific episode? Yeah, your wife will know what it is. Okay. Little Sebastian episodes of Park and Rec. I will do that and come back on the Tuesday show. Is with... called Parks and Rec. Parks and um, Rec. Parks and Recreation. Well, you said Park and Recs. I mean, it's Parks and yeah. Rec. I mean, you know, I don't want you. I, I don't want to suggest a little Sebastian <laughs> episode of something that. I can't yeah. endorse. I mean, so, but but you said we had to come to a consensus. I don't know if Chris and Brandon agree. No, I don't. I don't agree. Brandon, I mean, your vote doesn't count here. You, you got you got third. You got third tonight. So you gave me a hard time with Yellowstone. So you know we're we're on different playing fields when it comes to TV shows. So. Uh, Chris, do you sign up for this episode of Parks and Rec? I haven't seen it, but I'm down. Holy crap! Oh my gosh! Myself. I don't you know. Gotta watch it now. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it because, like I said, it's hard to watch uh, Parks and Rec because I just want to watch the better show in the office. I like, understand that talking. sentiment. You got to make it through like six episodes, and then it, you, then you find your like your own special love for this show. So, like, yeah. trust me on that, Chris. You will enjoy. It. It's not the office. It's not as good, but it is still a really great experience. Trust me. So. Okay. Um, Bubba says everyone should watch North Dallas 40. Do any of you even know what that is? Because I'm going to yes. guess no. I do not. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. I've, yeah. Me and you are alone, RJ. We haven't. Oh, I don't know why you're telling me, Chris. I know what that is. Um, <laughs> no. so, uh, I thought you said you didn't know what it was. No, it's uh, if, if you know your Dallas Cowboys history, you know what that is. Um, Tony, uh, was say. Was I born when that happened? Probably. No, you weren't. No. Tony, say. <laughs> you're a puppy. Say four okay. words and then we leave, Tony. Let's go Dallas Cowboys. Yeah.